Our text is Matthew chapter 21. We started this morning. We saw the journey of uh, Christ and his disciples from Jericho up till they made it to Bethphage and, and there at the back side of the Mount of Olives. And that's where we are. So, by re- kind of review for this morning, I'm going to just start at chapter uh, 21, verse 1, and just read the first seven verses there and comment on them as I go. And then we'll get into a little bit more review and then the sermon itself. Um, but uh, if you missed the message this morning, you can go to our website. It's posted up there, the sermon this morning. It's centralbaptistocala.org. And uh, tonight's sermon will be up there sometime tomorrow as well. So if you want to follow along. A lot of people want to know why do they call it Palm Sunday besides just that they had palms. And a lot of people celebrate it waving palms and, and say, okay, we're honoring Jesus. We're waving these palms at him. That's not really uh, the whole, that's not the story behind it, to be quite uh, frank with you, but that's become a tradition over the years. But let's start here in verse uh, 1 of chapter 21, but first we'll have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you now for the opportunity to once again preach your word. I don't deserve it, and Lord, it's really, it's, it's a vain thing that thy Holy Spirit really doesn't take the message home to each heart, and just Give me the words that's above uh, my abilities in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, beginning in verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two of his disciples. Now let me just stop there and just say he had, uh, they'd come from Jericho. They walked up. We told you about uh, that's a mountainous area, that's a hard road. Uh, and anywhere in Israel you go, you go up to Jerusalem. No matter where you are, you're going up to Jerusalem if you're going to Jerusalem because it's the highest point. And so, uh, I know when I've taken some of your groups, we said that this morning down to the Dead Sea. When we turn around, we come up, it is uphill all the way, but at least we're in a bus. These guys were walking it. And so, they walk up that direction, probably took a couple of days, those mountains there. Pretty rough mountains, and, and the way there up was, was, was a rough way. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, not in the Bible, so don't confuse it with Psalms 23, but in historical records, they called that the valley of the shadow of death, the, the valley between the mountains there going from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And now I think in Psalms chapter 23, where you see that, uh, that he's with us to the valley of the shadow of death, uh, there's a couple of ways of looking at that, but, but it may have looked ahead to this as well. But I'm just saying that uh, they were looking at the valley of shadow of death then is because there would be robbers, thieves, and whatever in there. But a group of men walking together and having some watch and so forth like that, they would go up, but the Lord was with them all the way. And they made it to Bethphage, and that's just at the bottom, backside there of the Mount of Olives. In verse 2, saying to them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, we told you about the ass, riding in on the ass with the colt and so forth, and we'll say more about that in a few moments. But uh, when they rode out to go to war, they're going to defend their country, those that wanted to come in and, and take their goods, take everything they had from them. Uh, usually the king with his generals and soldiers would ride out, he'd ride out on that horse and lead his uh, 
armies out there to the war. Now, a lot of times you'd see the king in the Bible, he's standing on the side of the mountain watching his fighters fight, but he's giving instructions as well. But that's the way they'd go out. And then when they come back, instead of on the horses, a lot of times they'd come back, they would have the donkey, and, and the donkey was a symbol of peace. They had gained the victory. And so in that day, in their custom and so forth, the, way, the reason they brought those in, they did that way. It was a symbol of peace. Everything is all right. We're good to go. And so we told you about uh, King Solomon. First Kings talking about him. Uh, when he, you might say his coronation, pronounced king, he rode on the donkey through there. You know, So he, he also rode as, on that. And so it was a, just a symbol of peace. It was a symbol of victory. And he says, and if any man say unto you, you shall uh, say ought unto you, you shall say, the Lord hath need of them. And straightway, they'll send them. And as I told you this morning, I don't know this. I really don't know this. But I kind of have a tendency to think that God gave those men, because we find in the Mark uh, epistle, uh, the book of Mark, Mark's gospel, should I say, that we see that uh, they did ask him, oh, what, what are you doing taking those? Well, the Lord hath need them. They went on, so it made me kind of wonder if the man that held that, that owned that, that he was giving, given by the Lord a dream, a vision, or something like that during the night in which he told them exactly what happened, and it happened exactly as he saw it. And so he released them because uh, those mules, those, those, the ass and the colt are beast of burden, and they could be a help to them. And so just to release them like that, uh, was not something that they would just do, say, yeah, go ahead, don't worry about it. So I think they were warned ahead of time. All this was done, verse 4, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and the coat of an ass. And of course, that prophecy was in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, which is about 330 years before this actually happens. And again, uh, when you look in the Bible and it shows things happening that the Bible said would happen, you know that's authority. You know that's of God. You better heed what the Word of God says. It happened exactly like He said it would happen. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and he set them thereon. So when they set him thereon, and the clothes on the, them, and set him on that, and, and the idea there when he, they set him, and I was telling you, it's kind of like Concrete, you know, you pour concrete, maybe you put some stuff in it to hold, maybe a pole, some kind, all that, and then you wait for it to set. Don't mess with the concrete until it's set and it's hard. Well, he was set on the thing. Nothing was taking him off. When he got off, he was getting off of his own accord. And so, uh, we, we see this happening at this point. And so, as we was going through it there this morning, then we liken this to John chapter 15, verse 1, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are saved. You have everlasting life. Not because I say so, but the Bible says so. So it's a salvation. You won't lose it because you're not the one that keeps it. He keeps it. Now, as one of his children, you became a child of God and got saved. He will chasten his own. In other words, he will correct you. Matter of fact, Hebrews puts it that way. He chastens and scourges. Scourge means to flog with a whip. And some of us can say, yeah, I, I know when the Lord just rebuked me in my heart, man, it was bad to have that guilt feeling. But then there are times that he scourged us. And boy, we really remember those things when we went through some things and we knew it was for our own downfallings. And he had tried to warn us. And so when we didn't heed the, ch the, the chastening, then the scourging comes along. And so uh, we, we looked at that. And then in salvation, we looked about the idea that there is a loss of reward if people don't heed him as Christians. We're to obey our Lord. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. We're supposed to be in obedience to the Lord and His Word. He preserved His Word that we may walk in it. We have it before us. And so, I was saying today that, you know, you go to the judgment seat of Christ, and again, I'm not saying this is just as exactly the way it is, but I kind of have the tendency to think this. You know, at the judgment seat of Christ, they're crowns, but not everyone at the judgment seat of Christ that's saved is going to get a crown. The Bible talks of rewards. A crown has to do with ruling and reigning. Ruling and reigning with Christ. And we see there in Revelation 4 that they'll set the crowns at His feet, which means they are dedicating the kingdom that He's given to them to the total glorifying of Christ, their Lord and Savior. But some will count the loss, we find out in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Saved so as by fire. Also 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 John 2, 28. Ashamed before him at his appearing. And so those are verses that make me wonder that when we get to Revelation chapter 19, when we'll go there in just a few minutes, but when you get to Revelation chapter 19, you see the army of, on horses behind Christ on that right horse. And the Bible doesn't tell us that it's all the saved in heaven that's on that horse, those horses. I wonder, with loss of reward, they're not part of that army. They're part of the family of God, definitely. But to walk with our Lord... I, I really don't know if they'll be on those horses. I just kind of wonder that. And again, don't go to the store and say, this is what the pastor believes. It's what I think. But I would not uh, go to the bank with that, the heavenly bank, okay, because I'm just not totally sure because it's not that clear. But just looking at the Scriptures, looking at rewards, looking what he does, I just wonder if that's one of the things that we see there. And so we were talking about that, and then in... Jesus said in uh, verse uh, 2 of 
of uh, John 15, and every branch in me that bears not fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Sometimes that chastening, that scourging, is that you might bring more fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And so Christians who don't quit, Christians that don't give up during the trials and the devastations that come to their life, they receive, for an example, a crown of life, James chapter 1, verse 12. Or as Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, confident, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Why? Because he stayed true. He did, and the things he did brought persecution. I mean, in jail, in prison, in beatings, in all of that, didn't make him quit, stayed with it. And, and so there is a crown that is dealing with the ruling and reigning with Christ. Then we, after looking at that, saying that, we went to Genesis chapter 49 because Jacob had a dream. And in that dream, he had dreamed, or not a dream, uh, he called his sons in, but told the sons of what was going to happen in the future. Now there's those 12 boys standing around them, and he's tell, telling them of future things as a prophet of God, yet on his deathbed, telling his sons these things. And so, as we looked at that previously, it said in, in, in verse 10 there of Genesis 49, he says, The scepter, the scepter shall not uh, depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And so, Shiloh, speaking of when his kingdom comes here to earth, but the lawgiver, remember, he is the lawgiver. The Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. John chapter 1 telling us the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word was made flesh. And so, written with the finger of God in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I leave unto you, I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. You think the Old Testament was really hard? It said love one another. You think that's a hard commandment? Ours is even more serious than that. As Christ loved us, we're to love one another. Wow. That may be one of the biggest failures in our lives and in the church of this day. Loving in the way that Christ loved. And so, we read... Uh, that where he sets down with them and uh, he says the scepter won't pass from him telling us that the line of Jesus Christ would come through Judah's line. And, and you read and, and you see how that came through. There's a genealogy in both Luke and Matthew showing how that line progressed to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 11 it said there of Genesis 49 binding his foe to the vine and his ass's coat, unto the choice vine. He washed his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. And we looked at that, and, and that's why we brought in John chapter 15. He is the vine. And, you know, 
I always thought of Jesus riding in on the, the ass, and, and yet the colt is with him. Tied to the vine. He's the true vine. What kind of a deliverance? Because in the kindness of our Lord, even using this ass to serve, he's very aware of the foe, that colt. Not ready to be separated from his mother yet. And rides in, Christ making sure they stay together. Oh, my friend, when I think that when we go to heaven, what a day that will be. <laughs> my Jesus, I shall see. But I also see those loved ones once again. And, and they'll come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, those guys, and get to talk with them. Man, what a special day that is. And so... Uh, we read those verses there, and then we talked a little bit about the red, the white of his teeth being the purity, the red looking at blood, but we'll say more about that later. But uh, symbolism in this is very important. Uh, not only did these things happen as it was predicted, I mean, Genesis chapter 49 that's at least 3,500 years before this happens. Before this happens, it, it, it is said that it would happen. And so that is amazing in and of itself. And so, here it is, the prophecy being fulfilled. And before seeing the triumphal entry, I just kind of took you to another symbol of this entry in a way that is uh, not really involving a donkey, but is really showing a triumphant entrance. Now, I find it interesting there that in Genesis chapter 49, 49, binding, verse 11, binding his foe unto the vine and his ass's colt. 3,500 years later, he's talking about Jesus entering Jerusalem, 3,500 years earlier. That goes all the way back to Genesis, talking about this entry. And so, we see it happen. But now, what I want you to see is in Revelation chapter 19, and beginning with verse 11. The last book of the Bible, Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. As Jesse was singing about peace, you know you can have peace when you walk with God because he's faithful. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he's true to his word. Always true to his word. It says, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. There is nothing wrong, nothing sin about what he's about to do. When blood will flow to the horse's bridle. The first time he came into Jerusalem on a victorious kind of a way, in a victorious manner. It was on a donkey and the foe of an ass. This, this time, 
in Revelation 19, he's coming in on that great white, white steed, that horse, following. This is coming to earth, and he will fight the armies of the world that are gathered against him. But their blood is going to flow, the blood of the world is going to flow to the horse's bridle. Verse 12 says, his eyes were as a flame of fire. Remember John chapter 15 and verse 12, his eyes are red with wine. They're as a flame of fire. He does this, and he symbolizes the eyes of Genesis 49 that foresaw his coming. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. But you know what I like? Revelation, because you get to the end of the book too. And when you've finished Revelation, you find out he writes his name on us. Besides giving us a new name, he writes his name on us. We belong to Jesus. So verse 13 says, he was clothed with the vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, John 1, 14. Now we see it. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Bible that we have is the written Word of God without error. Jesus Christ without sin is the living Word of God. But does that vesture coming from heaven seem to be the saving vesture coming from heaven with the blood that was on the mercy seat, perhaps, and come from heaven that would save those that now he's attacking. It would have saved them had they had turned to him, but they rejected him. They did not receive him as their Lord and Savior. And they'll see that the very blood that could have saved them. I think of John chapter 19, verse 23 and 24. He that hateth me hateth my father also, Jesus said. If I had not done among them, the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. Oh, they had the opportunity, but they would not receive him as their Lord and Savior. They didn't want to call him the Messiah. They didn't want to call him the Son of God. And so in verse 14 there, Revelation 19, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Some ask if this is, are these angels because they gather from the four winds of the earth and 
I really don't think that that is it. My, my thoughts are, and look, again, these are areas that are just my thoughts more than it is to say this is set in stone. But I have a tendency because of the way it's written. There are white horses clothed in linen, white and clean. They're clothed with His righteousness. When you get saved, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, it's not that you believe so hard that you become so righteous. No, it's the righteousness of Christ you're depending on for your salvation. Ephesians 1, 6, we are accepted in the Beloved. And so when you think about we've been accepted in the Beloved, and then he clothes us in that beautiful white linen. Whiter than any fuller perhaps could wipe them. And so... We're following him on the horses. Now, again, it could be, I don't say it is, it could be that some of those that were saved so as by fire aren't a part of this. But don't say that, that, I'm, that that's exactly what I believe because I can't say that that's exactly what I believe. I just have a tendency to think that way. Verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Oh my goodness. The fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Man will see in that day the utter fallacy of evolution. Evolutionists make fun of us. They call us fairy tale believers. They make fun of us. What do you mean? God created. And in Psalms 33, he spoke the worlds into existence. You get that idea even in Genesis chapter 1, where he says, And he saw that it was good. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Didn't say how he created the light, he just said, Let there be light. And so we, we see those things and and the creation by God he spoke and by his spoken word when he comes with that sharp sword proceeding from his mouth the word of God and the blood will flow to the horse's bridle the armies destroyed just by the spoken word of God and verse 16 says and he hath on his vesture and on his high thigh a name written King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, I haven't, just another thought. Remember at the cross, they parted his garments and they just kind of cast lots for them, gave, gave to each other. They, they chose what they wanted. But when they took the coat, it was woven from the top throughout. One of the reasons I believe that coming from Jericho up there, somebody evidently had given him that. Woven, that, that would be an expensive piece of clothing in that day, in this day too. And so it was woven that way and 
and probably these guys coming all the way from Jericho up to Jerusalem, they had clothes they carried on perhaps some beasts that they had. I don't know. But they carried them up. Jesus puts on that coat the next day before the marriage supper, or the, we say the Passover supper. I believe that they took that off of him when they beat him with the Roman cat of nine tails. But then, when he gets to the cross, and he's carried that cross, now they take it off. They take all of his garments so that he will hang absolutely naked on that cross. And they see that cloak. Then they begin to cast lots to see who can have it because it's worth something. But was there red on that? Because when he put that cloak back on, his back had been beaten. And maybe it's a symbol. Because I think of Revelation chapter 1 and, and verse 7 where he says, Every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. Whoa. They which pierced him shall see him. And maybe they'll see that redness. And remember, they were part of the crucifixion. Although they saw him the whole time saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do saving another thief that was on the cross. Knowing of the miracles that he did even in Jerusalem. And he hath on his vesture, verse 16 says, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, they'll know it then. They'll know it then. Now going back to our text in Matthew 21, verse 8. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Uh, why garments? Why would they do that? Well, putting it on the donkey for Christ to ride. They didn't want the, a dirty animal for him to sit on it. So they covered it with their garments that he may not have to sit on that dirty, smelly animal. He's their Lord. He's their Savior. But what about the rest of the people? Many of them would throw their garments on the ground. Why would they do that? Actually, that wasn't a new thing. We... Back in school, I don't know if they still do this in schools today, but we read of Sir Walter Raleigh. There's a puddle of water there, and he takes that cloak off. Now, the cloak that he would have would have been a very expensive cloak, by the way. And he threw it over that puddle of water so Queen Elizabeth would not get her feet wet in that puddle. And, of course, that tells you that cloak was pretty thick as well for her to be able to do that without getting it wet, getting her feet wet. And so from way back then, you, you see that happen. So that was something they did. It was to honor 
It was to honor royalty. And so he did that for her. These people were just a little bit different. Sir Walter Raleigh did it for a queen. But these people did it for the king of kings. The Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So others, they cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. Now this is where I think sometimes there's a, something that comes in there that we may miss. Which is why they have called this Palm Sunday is because they put those palms in the way. Now, look, never man had rode on these. He's riding on it, never man had rode on it. There's a, the ass with her colt. Now, just imagine them, that colt, young, stepping on those branches and the crackling and everything and the hardness to her feet that are not really accustomed to it yet. And there's going to be some wildness there, I believe. So what happened that that would happen in that manner? And the poems. Well, one of the things about that day that was actually before the day that we're honoring, I mean, this, this was several years before that day. This is a part of the customs of the day. The branches would be uh, a problem for a donkey, but what they would do, they would tear off the leaves. Some of those leaves on the, the, those palms over there would grow from four to six feet long, and they were beautiful leaves. You remember Tamar, the daughter of Absalom? The daughter there that was the, the brother of Absalom took her in and, and defiled her and then kicked her out. Absalom would have his brother killed. Her name was Tamar. We're told she is beautiful, and that's the reason she had the name Tamar. Tamar, the actual word in Hebrew is palm. And she was called that because of the beauty of the palm leaves. And so when they would tear off the leaves of a palm and strew it along the way for a, victory, a victorious king or general coming in from the war, it was a huge honor. It was a great thing. And so verse 9 says, And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosannas in the highest. Now that would make the Pharisees, the priests, and a lot of those mad, and they did get upset with that. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh, then to you that's blaspheming. But it wasn't blaspheming because he is God come in the flesh. Hosanna actually means God save us. And there was often on the Day of Atonement 
Now, this is reported from rabbinical writings, okay? Rabbinical writings of the desert, the wilderness wanderings of Israel. After they had a tabernacle, and they would have this Passover feast at the proper time, they would run around, a group of them would go around the tabernacle saying, God save us, Hosanna, God save us. During the atonement, offering the meal. Psalms chapter 118, verses 24 through 26. This is the day which the Lord hath made. His day of atonement to pay for our sin. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The idea is that we're not glad it's Saturday. We're not glad it's Sunday. We are glad that it's the day that Jesus would shed His blood for our sins. We will rejoice and be glad in it because the promise will be fulfilled. So verse 25 of Psalms 118 says, Save me now. That's in the Greek, it's Hosanna. I beseech thee, O Lord. I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. The name of the Lord at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, those palms and Hosanna now was looking to the Lord, His Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, God of gods. He is coming. And what a victorious entrance it will be. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, in our text, verse 10 says, the city was moved, saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. This second time in his ministry, he cleanses the temple. He wants God's house to be a holy house. We today, we try to make it everything else but holy. He, it was a holy house, and it made him mad enough to go in there and throw over tables, throw things away, and chase them out with a whip the first time. This time they know what he could do. They get out of his way. They leave. Verse 13 now says, And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Prayer. This is a place we should come for prayer. 
It doesn't have to just be on Sunday. It doesn't have to be only on Wednesday. A house of prayer. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And he healed them. What a picture, symbol that is. That when we come to God, when we come to him, he heals our sin-sick soul and gives us everlasting life. If you can heal a blind man simply by touching him, by praying over him, the lame, the blind. But notice the next verse, verse 15. And when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things. You know that word wonderful means full of wonder. When they saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of God. And they said also, Hosanna in the highest. Not only Son of God, He is God come in the flesh. Hosanna in the highest, save us, save us, save us now. And the priest, the Pharisees, the scribes, they're all they are all upset about that. Oh, they don't like it. And they said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto him, unto them, Yea, have ye not read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? I don't know if you see what I see there, but what I find quite interesting is that when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan tempted him, he said, It is written, it is written, it is written. But when the chief priest and all of these tempt him, he tells them again, it is written. The Bible says to resist the devil and he'll flee from you, but the way you resist the devil is with the Word of God. The Word of God. Stand on the Word of God. Stand by the Word of God. Let me just give you an example. Brother Lewis uh, Woodard in our class today was teaching, and he named some people teaching false doctrine. I mean, he called them by name. And there are people that will say, now I didn't hear it here, but there are people that will say, oh, you shouldn't name names. You shouldn't name people. Uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, chapter, uh, not chapter 6, chapter 14, I believe it is. But anyway, Romans tells us, uh, chapter 16, to mark them which cause divisions contrary to the doctrine. Mark them means to name them. Well, it's not nice. Oh, yes, it's nice because you're trying to keep other Christians from falling in that error. Now, folks, yes, those poems were welcoming the King of Kings. Another day, he's going to be coming from heaven, and I hope that we're all on those horses with him entering not only into this earth, but see him enter to Jerusalem and set up a kingdom. It 
is going to happen. So yeah, Palm Sunday. It won't make you spiritual to get outside and cut off a branch and wave it. But remember, we will see the king in his beauty as the beauty of a palm leaf in that region. We will see the beauty of the king of kings. He who is so full of grace, he that is so full of mercy, who had offered a way to those who will reject him, the way of salvation. And the Bible says they'll be without excuse when they stand before him. Folks, it's our job, just like on visitation yesterday, all of those going out and giving those invitations for the Easter services. But every one of those invitations, every packet they gave, gave out had the gospel. Not any will be without excuse. God tried to provide for them. Let God use you. Be able to join Paul and say, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown. Be able to say, I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because instead of being ashamed, uh, you'll have confidence. Are you serving God? Now let me close by just saying this. We saw this triumphal entry, yet man would kill the Savior. But it's all right, he's bearing our sin, and he's going to raise from the dead. But at that point, it's very evil. But you know what? Those people who used the whip on his back, those people that spat on him, that took his beard and yanked it out, those people that crammed a, a, a crown of thorns on his head, those people that spat upon him, those people that nailed him naked to the cross, and then the people came by making fun of him, mocking him, deriding him. will see him whom they have crucified. They had a chance, and they turned it down. Tonight, if you're here and you're not sure if you died, that heaven would be your home. You'll be no better than those people when you stand before God if you turn down the opportunity to be saved. For the whole time Jesus was on the cross, he was praying, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Even the Roman soldier said, truly, indeed, this was the Son of God. The Son of God died for your sin and my sin. But if you've not received him as your Lord and Savior, your destiny will be the same destiny that Satan has. Your destiny will be the same destiny that all of those who died without Christ has. Why not come tonight and make it right? Let's bow our heads, please.